In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus summarizes what he teaches today with these words. Many are called, but few are chosen. Few are chosen. Now, I know, I know that this is something that will hit home for every one of you here today. Why are few chosen? It breaks our hearts. Why? Many are called. We know. We know, because the Bible tells us very, very clearly, we know God wants everybody to be saved. That's what it says in Timothy. Paul tells Timothy, very clear, God wants all people to be saved. So why are only few chosen? We also know that when Jesus died on the cross, He didn't die just for some people's sins, not just for your guys' sins. He died for the sins of the whole world. So why? Why are only few chosen? Well, that's why we should take this parable seriously. He's telling this parable to help you understand this very fact. Okay? Why are only few coming to the feast? Okay? I, please understand, because sometimes people think this. When God says He wants everybody to be saved, He's not just giving you a line. He's not playing games or kidding or something like that. He is dead serious. He wants everybody to be in heaven with Him. But so many reject His invitation. So many refuse His invitation. And that's why we've got this parable today. And we, need, we, even though you've come to the feast today and you've accepted the invitation, we need to take it seriously lest we would ever reject that invitation and to help us better understand why so many do. Okay? He tells us this parable of the wedding banquet so that we will see the warnings and the danger of missing out on the wedding feast. So, <clears throat> here's how I'm going to go. Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm going to quickly walk through the parable and explain all the details. It's not very hard to understand, so if you're one that likes to follow along, you might want to do it. I'm going to explain all the details of the parable, and then, after I've done that, which won't take very long, I'm going to highlight all three of the warnings and how they are very important to us today. Okay? So, the king in the parable is, of course, God the Father. The Son is, of course, Jesus, and the wedding feast is the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, okay, however you want to say it. It's the, the feast of the forgiveness. So <clears throat> we sang it, that's why we sang this is the feast again today, even though we've sang it a number of times lately. Um, we sang this is the feast of victory for our God, alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. This is the feast, okay, the divine service, where the gospel is preached, where the table is set for us. Now... The king sends out servants to go call those who are invited. Well, who's that? The servants are all the prophets of the Old Testament all the way up to John the Baptist. They're going out to call all of the Jewish people, okay? All the Israelites, telling them, come to the feast, but they wouldn't come. That's verse 3. So verse 4, God sends other servants. These are the apostles, all of Jesus' disciples, uh, all the guys in the book of Acts like Stephen, Paul, Timothy, Silas, Barnabas. They go out and tell everybody, hey, you are invited. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. Okay? Because everything was ready. The oxen and the fat calves that have been slaughtered, that's, G that's Jesus. He's been sacrificed for everyone. Okay? For everyone to come and feast on the gospel. He's the food. Everything is ready because of his death and his resurrection. But things go bad. Okay? Some people paid no attention to the gospel. 
Some hated the gospel and even killed the servants, like in the book of Acts, they kill Stephen, they kill James. Many of the other apostles end up dying just for bringing the invitation. That's verse 5 and 6. Then God the Father is angry. And this is a true historical fact. 70 AD, God sent in the Roman troops to destroy their city, to destroy Jerusalem, as it says in verse 7, to destroy those murderers and burn their city. Well then, the king sends out other servants again, like Peter, James, Paul, Barnabas. And he said, those invited weren't worthy, so go to the Gentiles. Okay? And um, by the way, this is like to a T. <laughs> this is to a T what happened. Let me read you Acts 13. This is what Paul says. He's speaking to the, Jew, the Jews. It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. So it was necessary that I invite you first because you, you were invited. But since you have deemed yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we are turning to the Gentiles. That's exactly what Jesus said would happen. The servants said, now we're going to go invite everybody that's out on the roads, all the Gentiles. Okay, that's verse 8 to 10. And then the end of the parable, the king finds a guest inside who's not wearing the right clothes. Okay? The right clothes at the wedding feast is Christ, the robe of Christ's righteousness. Okay? The Bible talks about that all over the place, being clothed in Christ. And this is still obviously true today, that there's always a dress code at weddings. Okay? You can't show up in just anything. And so... Um, and at this feast, the garment has to be the righteousness of Christ and not your own. So the Father kicks him out to the outer darkness, that's hell, and then Jesus gives his summary statement, many are called, but few are chosen. And why are few chosen? Because they refused to come. Okay, that's the, that's the parable. Now you know everything in it, what, what's in there, what it's all about. Now let's take up these three warnings uh, one by one. The first is verse 5. Some people paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. Now, this, I'm going to spend the most time on this one because it's the most uh, prevalent right now in 2023. People are apathetic. They just don't care. Okay? They just don't care. Not, not in like a mean way or a hateful way. or They just don't care. Okay? Isn't it kind of crazy to think, if, if this is really a king, and it's a wedding feast for the, for the prince, his son, you'd think everybody's going to come. Well, today, I mean, don't we wonder the same thing? If this is the Lord of all creation, heaven and earth, inviting us to come to the feast, we think people would want to come, but they don't. They pay no attention. One, one to his farm, another to his business. So here it is, short and simple. Beware of not caring. Beware of not caring. In 2023, we live in a Western world that this is how I, I would say it, um, taking it from other people that I've read. We are, we are spiritually bored. Spiritually bored. Spiritually apathetic. Spiritually depressed. Okay? If you ask your average person living in the Western world... We just don't care about uh, God's holy things. The very things that ought to be our utmost care, life, death, eternity, we just are bored with all of that. Okay? 
So I want to remind you of a problem today that is, that is causing this, but you may not always make the connection. It's, it's a really important connection. It's a problem in the Western world, meaning, meaning America, Europe. It is a problem of relativism, a problem of truth being different for every person, a okay? truth being relative to every person. So, you know, if I say it this way, you'll all know what I mean. You have your truth, I have my truth, okay? So in spiritual things, we get bored because we simply think, eh, you believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe, nobody really knows what's true anyway, so who cares, right? So instead of it being something like this, hey, either Jesus is Lord or he isn't Lord, the world just says, eh, it doesn't really matter. Believe whatever you want to believe. Instead of it being, hey, it's wrong to gamble your money away, or it's wrong to sexualize children, or it's wrong to have sex outside of marriage, the world just says, eh, it's only wrong if you think it's wrong. Right? You do you, I'll do me. And what happens is, if there's really nothing that we know is absolutely true for everyone, and if, if there's nothing we know is absolutely good and moral, then guess what happens? We get bored. Completely, spiritually bored. We just don't care. And so we go off, one to his farm, another to his business. Now, again, another connection you might not see right away. If, if somebody would say that our 2023 culture is bored, most people would retort back and say, no way, we're not bored. Look at how busy we are. We're busy. All, we're constantly going everywhere. We're not bored with anything. Okay? Well, that's the whole thing. This busyness is just a sign, a bad sign, that we, we're drugging ourselves. We don't really know what's all that important anymore. We, you know... We're wanting to be productive, yes, but it's, it's like this busyness is a narcotic, a way of coping with the pain of being bored, with the pain of being spiritually lost. So this is a quote from a psychologist. It's in an article that I'm taking some of this from by Harold Sinkbile. He quotes a psychologist who says, the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. Let me read that again. The average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. See, what's happening is we think we're doing all this stuff. We're, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. But all of that frantic busyness behind it is this profound emptiness. We're anxious. With spiritual things, we just don't care and we're bored with them. So what's the answer to it? It's so simple. It is so simple. The answer is, come to the feast. That's the answer. Jesus gives you something to care about. He is not just a truth for you or for somebody else over there. He is the truth for the entire world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He cares deeply for you. And that is contagious. When you see how much Jesus cares for you, 
you will learn to care about the utmost things, about forgiveness and life and eternity and virtue. And you can leave the farm and the business in their place and come first and foremost to the feast. Something to truly care about. The second warning is verse 6. Some of them seized the servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. Now that to our ears sounds ridiculous. Why would they ever do that? Well, just think. They hated the king. They hated him. Why is a lot of this going on over in the Middle East right now? Why would people do anything like that? Hatred. Okay, it's the same still today. They hate the king, and this is a serious warning for us against making God the enemy, about being angry and hating God. Beware of making God the bad guy. When the Jews made Jesus the bad guy, and they killed him along with the apostles after him, they made God angry, and it did not end well for them. Okay? When we, look, when we look at the world around us, especially, as I mentioned, some of the things going on, this radical evil over in Israel and in Gaza, what we'd be tempted to do, what we would really be tempted to do is make, make it God's fault. Make God the enemy. Blame Him for it. Or even, even something simpler. If we look around at our friends and family who may have cancer or maybe going through other suffering, we might be tempted to become angry with God. Make Him the enemy. But understand, that's the devil's game. That's what he does. He was the first one to make God the enemy, to be angry with God and hate God. And it will not end well for him. Okay? Beware. Beware that anyone who sides with Satan, who makes God the enemy, that is going to lose out big time. God isn't the enemy. The devil is the enemy. We and our sin are the enemy. God, however, is the king who keeps inviting, who keeps inviting, come to the feast. He has thrown this big gospel feast for his enemies. This feast of forgiveness and hope and peace and joy and eternal life. And you're invited. Okay? Come to the feast where violence, war, bloodshed is all gone. Come to his kingdom where there isn't sickness or death, where he says whoever believes in him will never die. Don't Hate the king. Come to the king. And finally, the third warning starts at verse 11. It's the warning of wearing the wrong clothes at the wedding reception. There is a dress code. Maybe not for church on Sunday morning, not exactly. But there's a dress code for this feast. Just like you know, you know not to show up to any wedding covered in filth and stink and so forth. Well, this gospel feast, the only way to show up is with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Clothed in Jesus. Isaiah 61, He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Sometimes we may try to show up and say, hey, I deserve to be here, right? I, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, one of the favorites, one of the invited. Well, that's never the way to come dressed for the feast. God has the clothes for you. The clothes of Jesus and His perfect righteousness. Many are called, few are chosen. What does that mean? That means God wants all, and yet many reject the invitation. Beware of apathy. Beware of not caring about spiritual things, about holy things. Beware of making God the enemy. 
and beware of trying to show up in your own dress. Come clothed in Jesus Christ. Come and receive a God who cares deeply and a God who has made you his friend, not his enemy. Finally, I'll close with Revelation chapter 19. Hallelujah, the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.